Hello, 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 and welcome to what is a very special NBA playoff edition of Bally Sports Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. I couldn't be more stoked for what today's episode has in store as we're just 24 hours away from the Heat's first playoff game of this postseason against the Atlanta Hawks in round one. And we have a really great episode in store to help set the stage. So our first conversation is with the starting two guard on the Miami Heat. That's Max Struess. He entered the starting lineup a little bit later in this season. He's been stellar with that group and has had just an unbelievable rise this year. It was really fun getting a chance to speak with him about that and his goals for the Miami Heat in this postseason. And then after that, it's ESPN's Israel Gutierrez. He was our first ever guest alongside Jazz Chisholm Jr. on episode one of Miami Miked Up. Now we're bringing him back right here before the postseason. He'll break things down from a national perspective on the Miami Heat and where they stack up in the Eastern Conference. So lots to get to. We're going to get right to it. Enjoy this conversation with Max Struess here on Miami Miked Up. And now Max Struess joins this episode of Miami Miked Up for the second time in his NBA career, once in the preseason and once now right before this NBA postseason. Max, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, uh, first question for you. It's the same as the one I asked you last time, actually. And I know now it's a little bit different. But recently, off the court, what is something that has brought you joy? Wow. Um, I think it's just uh, being able to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, They've been visiting me um, this year a lot. So um, I've probably had them here every weekend this year. So um, it's been good to have people here, people that care about me and, um, you know, just having to enjoy all the all success with them. Yeah, sweet. What, what, what have the conversations been like with your family this year where, you know, this has been this sort of meteoric rise for you um, yeah. in terms of, you know, at least public perception and in terms of play. So what has yeah. it been like, you know, talking with them? I got to imagine they're just on cloud nine for you. Exactly. Um, we're all on cloud nine. It's been surreal. Um, it's been a hell of a year. Um, and I'm looking forward to keep going, but, uh, we're just every step of the way, um, uh, you know, we just celebrated and, and, uh, you know, really grateful for the opportunities and, um, just kind of you know, share the moments with them. And, um, like I said, just celebrate each moment that in my career that I've kept rising and, um, you know, hopefully there's many more to come. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you've been able to do a little bit of the reflecting. I know that it's it's kind of tough to do that sometimes when when you're in the moment like this and, and you're so focused on on the goals at hand, whether that's, you know, from team goals or from a personal perspective. But I, I want you to do this for me and, and you don't have to close your eyes, but I want you to envision yourself at 13 years old. You're a kid in Chicago. Picture the basketball team you were on, who your friends were, the classes yeah. you were taking in middle school. Now, I walk up to that 13-year-old Max, and I say, in 13 years from now, in two times of your life, you'll be starting in game one of a playoff game for a one seed in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> Tell me what that kid would have thought. You're crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never did I ever think that was going to be the case. Um, obviously, it's a dream of everybody's, but I've, I've always tend to be more realistic with myself and uh, you know, never even thought that that was a chance. Uh, you know, nobody from my community or my area has ever made it um, to the NBA. So that alone, just being here alone is, is a lot for me. So, um, and then, like you said, just starting um, playing on the best team in the East and looking along, look a, to make a long playoff run. Um, just really grateful for it. And uh, I'm super excited. 
Well, it's an exciting time for you. And I remember when we spoke before the season, your confidence was was really high. You were coming off the summer league and you and yeah. you were talking to me about how that had sort of changed your mindset going into the year because of your belief in yourself and the team's belief in you that was clear. And so yeah. we talked about also how, you know, when you were in college and these are my words, not yours, but you were basically allowed to chuck up any shot you wanted, whether you were at Lewis College, whether you were at DePaul. Now, Coach Spo and the coaching staff, Jimmy Butler and the players, they're all sort of encouraging you to do the same sort of thing. So yeah. my question is, how much does instilling confidence, whether that's from a coach, an organization, a team star, actually affect NBA players and their performance? It's huge. Uh, I strive off of it. Um, when I when I when my confidence is at an all time high, it's when I'm playing my best, and um, when I know my teammates and coaches and um, the organizations behind me and, and they're believing in me, I mean, I'm only going to get better. So. Um, for me, it does a lot for me. And, uh, you know, just to see the guys, um, you know, keep pushing me forward and, and keep wanting me to be great. Uh, it's only going to keep um, rising from there and keep making me a better player. It's been really cool to see those moments where the guys vocally are are telling you, hey, shoot, shoot, shoot. And that's yeah. that's only become more and more of a focal point for the offense throughout the season. But take me back here for a second. About two years ago, you're you're going through quarantine. You're rehabbing your knee after an injury. You've been let go by the Celtics. What was that time like for you? And how did it shape how you're now perceiving these moments of achievement? Yeah, um, tearing my ACL was a was a blessing in disguise. Um, I honestly, I know that sounds crazy, um, but it, it gave me a time to reflect and, and gave me a time to be away from basketball for the first time in my life. And, you know, I couldn't I couldn't do the things that I normally do, which is pretty much just work out every day and, and, and be playing basketball. So, um, you know, it kind of gave me a different outlook on things. And, um, you know, I was at my all time low. So um, everything from here on out, I mean, it's it's just great to be here and great to be playing. Uh, I, I don't take that for granted anymore because you never know when it's going to be taken away from you. Um, and that's honestly just helped me with. Uh, my mindset and just having a more positive outlook on everything. Well, that positive outlook has led you into the starting lineup. The Heat yeah. in the 16 games in which you're a starter are 14 and 2. You're averaging 16 points on 47% from three in 29 minutes per game. You got a little over three and a half rebounds, a little over one and a half assists. What has made you so comfortable alongside? Kyle, Jimmy, PJ, and Bam in this starting lineup? And why do you believe that inserting you into the starting lineup has allowed this team to be so dominant when you're in there? I wish I had the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I don't know. I just provide spacing and uh, I don't know, maybe more comfortability. I'm not really sure, but I, I know it's been, um, it's been like that all year. Um, whenever I'm on the court with those guys, I, I feel at home, I feel comfortable and um, you know, we've just built great relationships um, throughout the season and throughout each game that uh, they know where I'm going to be. I know what they're going to do and how they're going to play. So, um, you know, when they when they insert me in that lineup, I just I knew exactly what my role was going to be and how I was going to fit in. And it's been seamless um, since it's happened. So um, I'm obviously super grateful for the opportunity to be in the starting lineup. I, I would have never imagined that it would happen this fast. Right. Um, but this is exactly where I want to be in my career. And um, exactly how I saw it happening. So I'm, I'm happy to be doing it. 
Well, that that envisioning those moments is important and, and being able to project that for yourself, having that confidence. But I do want to add a little bit of perspective for people here because you just turned 26 not, not that long right. ago. So you're 15 years old when Jimmy Butler is drafted to your hometown Bulls, right? And we've seen you guys sort of flipping birds back and forth, lots of laughs post game. Uh, you mentioned in another interview that you guys played lots of one-on-one last year. So how unique is this relationship for you with Jimmy Butler, a guy who you've been watching since a young age and now is your teammate? How has he challenged you to be your best? Yeah, uh, it's been special. Um, like you said, ever since I got here last year, um, you know, Jimmy's always somebody I've looked up to, like you said, uh, you know, watching those Bulls teams when I was younger with uh, D Rose and Jimmy and, um, you know, those super talented teams that they had. It was an exciting time to be in Chicago. So, um, you know, growing up watching him play, obviously coming here, I was like start kind of starstruck when I first met him because that was somebody who I looked up to. But um, since day one, he's took me under his wing. And, uh, you know, I think he he knows and has seen the, the type of competitor I am and, and how my story and how I've gotten here. And I think he respects that and um, likes playing with guys like that, that have a chip on their shoulder and want to compete. So um, I think I've just fit into the mold that, that he respects and, and wants from people. And um, I'm only going to keep playing that same way. So it's only going to keep getting better. You mean to tell me that Jimmy Butler likes playing with other competitive people? No way. I've never I've never heard that before. That sounds yeah. great. Very out of character. Uh, another relationship I want to talk to you about on this team is with Duncan Robinson, because we yeah. spoke before the season about sort of the mentor that he was to you. And so I did tell you this before the year, and I, I only feel stronger about it now. I, I do believe that the U2 look like the cast of a Disney Channel original movie, playing star basketball players at rival <laughs> high schools. He's the protagonist. You're the antagonist. But... Uh, wow. so, sorry for that. I, you know, it's not about your personalities. It's just, come on, look, look yeah, at you guys. Yeah. Uh, but your lives and careers really have had such similar paths. And he's helped mentor you since day one. You've said that. He took you yeah. under his wing. And now you've, you've supplanted him in the starting lineup. So uh, could you describe the way that your relationship has evolved over the course of this year while you guys both have sort of gone up and down in playing time within relatively similar roles? Yeah, I, I don't think that's the case for Duncan. Uh, Duncan's had a great year. Um, he got off to a slow start, but it happens. I mean, yeah. sh- shooters go through streaks and um, struggles. So um, I've been in his ear the whole year. I've been his biggest fan the whole time. Um, I respect the work that he's put in and, and yep. how he's handled himself this whole way. So um, don't ever think that me starting now is going to mess up our relationship. Like it goes deeper than that. Me and Duncan are, are good friends and um, truly care for one another and want to see, want the best for one another. So, um, that has nothing to do with, you know, who we are as people or or what this has done to us. I mean, we're still, um, in it for the right reasons and we're both here to help the team win. Um, that's as simple as it is. And, um, you know, it doesn't, who knows what's going to happen in playoffs, who knows what's going to happen in the rotation or who's going to step up that night or, or what we're going to need from each person. So, um, we're all 10 toes in and, and ready and willing to, you know, do whatever team needs to, to win a game and win a series. Well, that's exactly what I expected to hear. And it's been clear that the two of you are just championing one another, regardless of who's who's in the starting lineup, who's coming off the bench, who's getting more minutes, who's not. The two of you are sort of buoying each other. And that wasn't to say by any means that Duncan's had anything other yeah. than a good year. Duncan's been actually really right. productive when he's on the floor. It just depends on who's in the rotation where. So it's it's cool to hear that, that the two of you are still encouraging each other in that way. Okay. Absolutely. There's no other way around it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the guy at the helm of all of that who's sort of created that culture is Pat Riley. I want 
your favorite interaction you've had with Pat Riley so far as a member of the Heat organization? Um, I think it was probably uh, when my dad met him. Okay. Uh, yeah, he hasn't really. There hasn't been like a situation on the you know in the locker room or anything like that. It's it's just kind sure. of been like a, a cool moment. You know, he's such a you know person of that stature. Just to, to be able to meet somebody like that, it, it's been really cool. And, and coming from where I come from, um, you know, I didn't expect to be here. And my family didn't expect me to be here. And obviously, we're just enjoying everything. So when my dad first got to meet him in the parking garage after a game, it was like the, my dad's like best day of his life. Um, <laughs> and, and Pat was great with it. Um, that's cool. You know, just gave him like a hug and, and, and gave my mom a hug. And it was, it was, it was a special moment for uh, my family and my parents. So I thanked them for that. And um, that was probably the coolest thing that I've seen with, with uh, coach Riley. And when your father meets the Godfather, how about that? Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to throw three moments out there from this season that are your moments. You could tell me that there's another one, but of these three moments, the defensive stance against the Celtics, going 8-for-11 from three and scoring 32 points against Orlando, your season high, or dropping LaMelo Ball on a little bit of a, of a fake there against the Hornets. Uh, of those three moments, what, what was your favorite of the season, or is there another one that's your favorite moment of the season personally? No, I'd say it's probably the Celtics one, um, just because of my history with them mm-hmm. um, and how meaningful of a game that was. Um, you know, that's that was a playoff game, and... Um, you know, was kind of a, a testament to uh, what we're going to need out of me in the playoffs. And Absolutely. Uh, I think it, it kind of showed that I, c- I could step up and play that role and um, help our team win in, in, in a meaningful game and, and meaningful minutes at the end of a game like that. That was a uh, a bit of a statement, I think, to everybody nationally that, that that's what you could do in that closing yeah. lineup. Uh we're going to go back and forth on a couple of different questions here. Real quick, three songs. If you had a pregame playlist and you could only put three songs on it, what would those three songs be? So I'm not really a huge music guy. Really? Uh, I, I like music, obviously, but like it doesn't really motivate it doesn't matter? me or like get me in a zone. Yeah. So then what does? What does get you in the zone? I'm usually just like in it. Like whenever I, <laughs> whenever the game's starting, I'm kind of just ready. I'm, I can't take these uh, opportunities for granted. Uh, I love that. I don't, you never know how when it's going to end. So, um, you know, like I said, just coming from where I, where I come from, you got to be locked in and at all times. So, uh, that's just the mentality that I've had since I've been in the NBA, and and that's what's going to keep me around. So I'm just going to keep all right I, and and doing it that way. I like that competitive uh, fight within you that you don't even need the motivation. Well, someone who's yeah. provided a little motivation, and I'm Poppy Lebetard. You two have just been going at it back and forth. And for those who don't know the story, yep. essentially, uh, Dan Levitard has said on his show that uh, his mother has developed a crush here on on Max Struess. And Poppy challenged Max to a fight. You put up a, a bit of a, a, UC, a UFC poster on Instagram. Now he wants all the smoke. I want to give you the runway here for any sort of wrestling heel promo, any public challenges to Poppy Levitard. I don't know. UD, UD told me in the locker room that, that Poppy would, you know, whip my ASS. So, yes, he would. Uh, I'm going to just leave it at that for now. I kind of want to okay. be healthy for the playoffs and, uh, you know, make it through this, this long run we're about to have. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put our beef to the side for these playoffs and, uh, you know, maybe when it's, when it's all said and done and, um, we're holding up that championship trophy. Me and him can, uh, you know, square it off in the ring or something. Yeah, like in that. the ring at FTX Arena, uh, yeah, right, right after the championship <laughs> parade. There we go. That'll there be perfect. Go, yeah. That'll be the main uh, event. 
Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Okay, just a couple more questions for you, and then and then we'll wrap up here. Obviously, um, as we're conducting this interview, it, it comes out tomorrow, so it, it's tough because we don't know who you guys are playing at the time of this conversation. But you got a chance to play the Cavs or the Hawks. Okay. I want to know maybe what what challenges you believe either of those teams can present. Um, maybe starting with Cleveland, what it is about that team that that you know is a challenge for you guys, and and obviously why yeah. you think that that you know you ultimately come out on top. Yeah, uh, Cleveland's a different team um, just based on their lineup and their and their roster. Um, you know they start three seven footers, so yeah. Um, you know it's a it's a dynamic and, and a different lineup that you're not used to seeing. So it's just a different um, you know game plan, and uh, you know the paint's going to be clogged up and. Uh, you're gonna have to finish over big guys. So um, they're definitely a different team and they have a super talented point guard um, in Garland. I think that's, you know, the, the similarities between Cleveland and Atlanta is, is, is Garland and Trey Young. Mm. Um, they're both have the ball in their hand majority of the game and um, are the one really facilitating uh, the offense and making plays for everybody. So um, I think, you know, that, that that's been an easier thing for us to, you know, without knowing our opponent, being able to, you know, kind of prepare for is, is those two are, are pretty similar. So uh, I think that that's been a help, but uh, they're both two really good teams. And um, either way, you know, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, whatever opponent it is and, and looking for our, our best battle against them. Excited for the challenge to play either of those teams and, exactly. and good first round matchups. You know, this yeah. is a really competitive Eastern Conference that every team is 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 legitimately good. It's 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 really yeah, it's uh, going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but I, I think we're ready for it. And um, we're all locked in over here to, to make this run. So then two more quick questions for you and I'll let you go, Max. First of all, when you accomplish so many of the personal goals that you've set out ahead of you, what's next on that personal goal list? At this moment? At this moment. Uh, just be consistent in, in the playoffs. Um, it's a different game. Um, obviously, I haven't played in the playoffs, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, learn a lot and, and just be solid, be consistent. And, um, you know, I think we got to, from the guys that have, that have done it, so we have a really good chance. And um, I'm just looking to, you know, help in any way and, 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 and win a championship. I think that that should be the next thing on my mind and next thing on our list to, to conquer. And then, of course, you know, NBA All-Star, Hall of Famer, you know, the whole nine, right? Uh, and then when I asked you, when I asked you before the season why this team could win a championship... Basically, what you said was that it felt different coming in this year, and it, it was pretty obvious, to be honest, when we saw this team game one. You specifically actually mentioned the three guys who came yeah. in with the championship experience and PJ, Markeev, Kyle. You said you got what it takes, so I'll ask you again now. Why can this Miami Heat team win the NBA title? I mean, you've seen it all year. Um, we're going to compete night in and night out. we got 15 guys that can play at any moment. Um, and contribute um, in a huge way. Uh, I think our depth is going to be a huge um, plus for us and um, something a lot of teams don't have. So, um, you know, if one guy goes down, we've had it all year and more people have stepped up and um, we're all ready to contribute. And we've got a lot of guys that have had gotten experience in playing uh, meaningful minutes this year. And um, I think that's going to be huge for us in the playoffs. And we got guys that want it. Um, and we got some dogs that are that are ready to, you know, lock in on defense and um, do we got a lot of guys that are selfless and want to do what it takes um, to win. So I think starting there, it's just going to put us above everybody else. 
Well, I know Heat fans are excited to watch you and this team compete in the NBA postseason. They can watch every single game of the first round right here on Bally Sports. You can watch it on Bally Sports, son. Max Struess, his story is improbable. He's had an incredible season. He's a starting guard for the Miami Heat headed into the playoffs. Max, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and good luck in the playoffs. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And now Israel Gutierrez joins the show to break all things Miami Heat down for us from the national bas- basketball perspective that he has over at ESPN. Izzy, thanks so much for uh, joining the show now for a second time. You were our first ever guest here on Miami Mic'd Up, so it's really awesome to have you back. Yeah, it's my pleasure. No problem. Well, uh, before we get into any of the basketball stuff, I do have to ask you, uh, outside of work, uh, what's something recently that has brought you joy? Ooh. Um, I feel like this was my same answer last time, but uh, I had uh, my nephews over for it literally, sort of a, yeah, it a is day. the exact it same was, answer. Right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. It was a little different, though. It came over. It was, uh, we were just kind of hanging out, watching Encanto, and uh, I hadn't really seen the whole movie with them, singing along with it. It was it was a great time. And so, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's cheating, but it, was, it just happened uh, a few days ago, so... It's yeah, wonderful that's timing. One. That's hilarious. That yeah, you had the exact yeah. same answer, but it's not. It's not cheating. It's the thing that brought you joy. That's good. That's yeah. good. It's glad to have family around. Um, well, we're gonna get into some heat basketball here, and and the real reason that I I wanted to have you on this specific episode before we head into the postseason is that I I view you as sort of a nice go between here. Uh, mm. Sometimes, all the time, Heat fans and sometimes Heat media can keep ourselves a bit in this Miami Heat bubble, and so you have experience being in that but also you are operating outside of that in the national media. And so really what I want to know is from that sort of national perspective, what has the conversation been like around this heat team this season, as you've come across folks on it around the horn or debatable. So it's funny because I've become sort of like, all right, going back to like the beginning of my journalism days, I was always, you know, keeping arms distance from the team you're covering, can't be a fan, et cetera, et cetera. And like, by the book, right? So, right. you know, I'm going through, uh, even though I'm covering a Gators, you know, football team that I'm going to school, right? At, right even right. though I'm covering a Miami Heat team that I grew up watching, right? So it's like, you got to create that buffer. And then like, as I get older, I start watching like um, Michael Wilbons of the world, like openly rude about, you know, Chicago <laughs> Cubs. I'm like, wait a second. Like I respect right. him, you know, a ton. That's not the way we're supposed to do this. And so now it's kind of like, becoming a thing everybody's got a team which i think is frankly for just being honest it's just a better way to do things because you're being honest like you you can't you know hide emotions or repress them or whatever and so um i've sort of been locked into this miami heat homer role nationally and really it's just because you know parakeet cortez and all these other you know the culture guys are just very Uh vocal and very and you know purposely annoying and uh, so they throw me in there just because I want to talk about the Miami Heat. And so what I realize is, is not so much like there's some people that do know the Miami Heat well, like the producer for Debatable, Charlie. They call mm-hmm. him Alabaster sometimes if you ever watch. He knows his basketball, like knows it very well. He knows why the Miami Heat are good. He just doesn't want to talk about it because <laughs> right. it makes for better, uh, you know, just a joke. The fact that I don't get to talk about the number one team in the East that's in my backyard. And so I think... If you want me to be perfectly honest, I don't think nationally a ton of people have watched a lot of Heat games. Right. And I don't think that's a shocking uh, sentence for people to hear. Like, it's a lot if you're w- working in this business to watch all of the games. It's, it's all, like, you know, 
I sort of, these college basketball uh, experts, the Jay Bills of the world, amazing. Like amazing. I have no idea how all the recall it's after year after year after year with all the turnover. And so uh, in the NBA, like sometimes you just get like, whether you're a league pass person or not, you just get stuck on a few teams and you don't necessarily watch all the great teams. Like I, for example, like I haven't watched a ton of Phoenix Suns games this year, but I pretty much know why they win and how they yes, win. Yes, exactly. Uh, the Heat, I don't think people have gotten to that point. They just like look at Jimmy Butler. They look at Bam Adebayo. They look at Tyler Hero, stuff that they've maybe known since the bubble and then try to piece it together and say, okay, this is what I think this team is now. And it's, it's different. It's entirely yep. different. Um, uh, even especially just the last portion of the season where you're talking about, you know, the switches that, that uh, Spo made to the starting lineup, to the offense and the rigidity of like where you know things where the ball's going and where people are going and um it's it's different than way different than the team that was in the bubble when you had just Tyler Hero just kind of hunting shots and not really looking for passes or you had you know Jimmy Butler as the clear Mr. Do Everything and Bam wasn't really looking for offense like this is all a different group and not to mention you know the Struces and Vincents and you know Deadmonds and uh, who else Markeith and, and Caleb's of the world like they, they played different roles than a lot yep. of these other Heat teams did. So I guess nationally what I'm saying is I don't know what the heck they're looking at a lot of yeah. times. And, and I don't, I, I get a, it's not to knock anybody because if you were going to tell, like ask me right now about, oh, I don't know, the Jazz, for example. I know they're not the number one team in the West, but I haven't watched a ton of Jazz games either. So I don't know how much different they are than what I remember them. But I'm also not out here spitting these giant opinions about the Jazz saying this is definitely true and then right. making it obvious that I haven't really been watching them. I think that's the thing that's so interesting about uh, the way people analyze the heat nationally is it's a lot of sweeping declarations mm-hmm. about who these players are and what this team can do when like and you how you win in the playoffs like yeah, there's only like, one formula for that it's a very confused that's a very confusing argument to me and especially considering a lot of these these conversations are going based off of only four guys who were still on a team from 2020 like Duncan right. Robinson Tyler Hero Bam Adebayo Jimmy Butler that's it everybody else who contributes to this team is new. It's a new face. It's a different basketball player from what they're used to. Yep. And gosh, I, I wonder how many of them know that like Max Struess is now in the starting lineup, right? Like, yeah, probably, about the, probably not many, probably not many. And so, you know, e- even with him, who's, you know, leading this podcast, it's, it's a starting guard on the number one team in the East. And yeah. so to see the Here's way that that's reason. all changed. Another reason I have for you, which I just thought about this. I think the Lakers have done the heat a true disservice. Oh yeah. Because when you go from that bubble championship, to what they look like now. And Anthony Davis goes from that bubble performance to what he's been since. Like, it's, it's again, one of those sweeping generalizations. Oh, so everything in that bubble was slightly fraudulent. And no, right. it wasn't. Like, that was a Heat team that ran through, you know, that basically motivated the Bucks to win a championship because they beat them in five games. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, ran through the Eastern Conference, beat the, like the Jason Tatum that everybody says is the next great offensive star. And, you know, came up short against the Lakers. And so that was two years ago, like, Tyler Hero has gotten better. The parts so around better. the big four have, or the big, whatever you want to call them, the big parts have <laughs> been um, adjusted and frankly, better suited to play harassing defense, especially with Gabe Vincent's out there a lot. And yeah, and I think, I think that people don't necessarily um, want to give him enough credit for is the leap that Tyler Hero has made in the last two years. Like last season was, the difficult one last season, mm-hmm. the second season was the one where he didn't have the off season. He went through, you know, um, a lot of aches and pains when it comes to learning things and playing through mistakes and spoke, giving him responsibility after responsibility. 
And he came out at the other, at the back end of that. Also, by the way, I found out he was going to be a dad in the middle of all that. Yep. Um, <laughs> came out at the back end of that saying, okay, like I took a beating this year, but what am I going to do with it? Am I going to get better? Or am I going to just say, Hey, maybe this is my ceiling. Let me just try to get a contract. In. And he did it. Like he worked his ass off in the summer and he's a significantly better player. And I think, you know, the areas that people don't recognize, you know, they all see him getting to a spot a little better. They see the jump shot. They see him getting, you know, elevating a little better, but they don't see necessarily the simple plays that he's making, um, the way he's reading the defenses, you know, some of these hockey assists that he's getting that, you know, don't show up in the stat sheet. So I think um, it's a little like uh, on a different scale because I feel like the runs are going to be different. But in Minnesota, like I think by the time Minnesota's playoff run ends, probably in the first round, but by the time it ends, they're going to look at themselves and say, okay, Anthony Edwards is our best offensive talent. He's the person that we're probably going to, when things get difficult, we're going to look to him. And I think by the end of these playoffs, I think you're going to see, not that they're going to pull that away from Jimmy or anything else, but I think you're going to see Tyler in a lot more of those situations because he is the guy who most fluidly, most easily can get not only his own shot, and it doesn't have to be a good shot. I mean, that Boston <laughs> game was crazy. It's crazy. Um, but, they, but he also just breaks down the defense. And, um, you know, defenses are sending their best defender or two at him when he's coming mm-hmm. off of screens or so. So he's definitely um, going to be quite the factor. And so uh, that, that I think by the end of the playoffs, you're going to see him as elevating himself as probably their best offensive option. And, and clearly a max extension guy. Oh yeah. Well, well, and that's, I guess, gosh, I have a, a number of questions to go <laughs> from based off of all the things we just covered. So uh, first let's start with, Tyler, let's continue there with with what he's done. His season has obviously been a, a huge ascension for him in terms of that that sort of public perception. But I do think that there are a lot of people who are just assuming, again, he looks like the same guy from when he was scoring all those points in the bubble. It's being done the same way. They view him as a shooter. You know, it's this fun little guy who can go out there and score. And, you know, we've seen the way that not only he improved his body, but his footwork, his playmaking ability. You know, like you just talked about, I, the thing that has has changed the most for me that you can see from year to year is just simply his decision making. He's become a, mm-hmm. a top tier decision maker with the ball in his hands. And that's something that like you mentioned, down the stretch of games is going to be really important for Miami. So how has his play this year adjusted your view of what maybe his ceiling is? Is it any different than what you thought before? Very, very different. And I think so early on, you know, a lot of the problems that I had when I watched him was a lot of the mistakes seemed like he was uncertain of how athletic the league was. Like it would be a pass that you just, you know, he throws and you're just like, what are you doing? Like, that's clearly going to get picked off, you know, right. or him trying to, you know, maybe split a double or, you know, get to the rim and create contact where he's not really doing it. And it just made me wonder, like, physically, is he built for, you know, multiple all-star teams over the course of a long career? Um, from year one to year two, didn't see a lot of improvement in that area. There was still, especially early on, a ton of turnovers when he had a lot of uh, uh, responsibility with playmaking and stuff. And so there was that, like physically, could he get to a place where he is not being, you know, pinballed around out there uh, like he was early on and, and making, you know, silly turnovers because he doesn't really get how good the players that he's playing against are. Um, so, what he did from last offseason going into this season, not only so the strength was the, the number one thing, 
uh, because it's, you know, functional strength. It's, you know, not looking out there like he's an Amazon guy or, you know, Hercules or whatever, but just um, being able to, to take on uh, physicality or take on a bump and still finish, um, get to his spot. Because the thing is, is he is so, he comes in already so strong with his skill set base. Like he's, he's a great ball handler. He's a great shooter. He's great, you know, uh, moving without the basketball, a lot of those things. And so if you have the skill set base, all you have to do is just, you know, get the knowledge and then be strong enough to do it. And so he basically did those things from, from last year to this year, not only being able to see where he can get his shots, how he can fake out a defender a little bit more simply, you know, how to make certain passes or when to see them, but also just like, you know, we said to get to his spots, to rise up. Cause the thing about his jumper, which I love, and it reminds me of Ray Allen. And if you look at their numbers at 22 years old, they're pretty similar. Ray Allen and, and, and Tyler Hero, like it's such a springy jump shot. Like he gets up there and like, so if he gets up there, very rarely somebody's going to bother it. And so um, where I had him before in terms of ceiling was like Lou Williams. Huh. Like, okay, come off the bench, give you some Jordan Clarkson. Like maybe sure. not going to make an all-star game. Maybe one if he has a great year, but you know, too small to be like a crazy impact. But now I, I'm in total disagreement. Like I'm with myself. Like I think I think he is more like and okay, don't you don't I'm want me to you, you don't you don't you don't want me okay. to put this as the quote of the Twitter video when I inevitably put it out right. there. You don't want me saying is there a Gutierrez? You can put it you can is put there, it just like this. Okay. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame yet, Tyler Hero. But I do think he has a similar potential to be a Ray Allen type. That's, and the, that is, that's the quote we were looking for, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he is not, he's not quite as athletic because Ray used to just, you know, jump sure. on top, uh, you know, finish over people and stuff like that. But he has the same, you know, type of game, a little kind of ballerina-like when he goes for yeah. his jump shot. Um, he's got a little bit more of like a different layup package around the rim, different than Ray, probably a better finisher than Ray, a little better of a floater action than Ray. But I think when you look at 6'5 frame, you know, the, the type of, you know, body frame, the type of athleticism, the type of ability, um, combo guard at the peak of his career, he's going to be, um, that's, that's who I look at him as, as potentially, um, I'm obviously on the highest. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely changed a lot. Cause he's not a finished product even this year. Like he's going to come back next year with some different stuff in his bag and he's probably going to give you 25 a game. It's the same way that we've seen Bam Adebayo continue to improve each year on top of the next, except yep. Tyler's leap here has been pretty substantial offensively like in, in seeing the way that he's evolved and I think uh Heat fans can only hope Tyler Hero is hitting uh some big shots similar to Ray Allen <laughs> for for the Miami Heat well right? it's, a, it's a, I mean <laughs> trust me he's gonna be feeling this pressure because he feels like yeah. he knows it's a big playoff for him but he also recognizes it's great timing because he's coming into his own right when there's a lot of pressure on him um but yeah like if if they like lay an egg out there, there's going to be talks about packaging Duncan and Tyler for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to come up again. But right now, like the way he's playing and the way he's projecting out, like it, it wouldn't even make sense to include him in a package for Bradley Beal because no by the time he's Bradley Beal's age, he'll be giving you those numbers if mm-hmm. you allow it. So I think, you know, as long as he doesn't lay an egg in these playoffs, it's essentially confirmation that Tyler is going to be a part of this organization for a while. Yeah, well, and, and he's obviously a huge part of it. The guy who's sort of the centerpiece right now is still Jimmy Butler. He's the guy. When the, If the Heat have to have a proverbial the guy, he's their guy. Yep. And we saw him lead the Heat 
to an unbelievable run in in the NBA bubble. That's only a couple of years ago now. I know it's starting to feel further and further away. And, and that's not due to necessarily Jimmy Butler, just in terms of how much basketball has been played since mm-hmm. then. But with him as that guy, with him as the star, I think there's a lot of people, nationally or otherwise, that don't necessarily think he can still be that on a championship team. But like we've already talked about, with the roster that's around him and the way that they've sort of reshaped this team, number one... Does it matter whether or not he is the guy? But number two, can he still be the guy in your mind? Does he still have that in him? I think it matters for the team just to know, like in terms of centering themselves, in terms of like a security blanket. All right, look, he's going to be our first option whenever we need stuff, right? Um, But I don't think that he needs to be that guy all the time. First of all, because if he's good at it, he's going to kick out and other guys are going to hit shots and the defense is going to be like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't exactly. pay that much attention to him. But I think where, and this is where it's different from before where, and even he knows this, he's going to go to his game as much as possible. He's going to try to get to the foul line. He's going to try to hit that mid range. Might even, you know, with the, with the shooting sleeve on hit a three. <laughs> yeah. um, but if he hits a wall at some point, if he starts to struggle, if the defense is just like, all right, well, Jimmy can't keep doing this. He has more confidence now that other people are going to be able to pick that up for him. Correct. Um, it used to essentially be just Goron. Hey, Goron, please pick me up. And that's probably why they were such good friends. But this time, I think you've got more options. Not only do you have Kyle, uh, speaking of good friends, but you have right. Tyler. And I think Bam, especially after last year's playoff, more intense to be an offensive uh, factor, uh, especially from that mid-range. So, yeah, I think I think if we're, you know, if we're just throwing words out there, yes, he's the guy. And if we're going to you know, have an option A, it's going to be Jimmy. Um, is he capable of doing that? Yeah, I'm sure he's capable. You know, nobody's capable except for, you know, the best of the best, like the LeBron every game over a, you know, seven-game series for four seven-game series. But he's absolutely capable. It's just he doesn't have to do as much now. So as long as there's the structure and we know where everything's going, um, then Jimmy can say, hey, if, if I'm not lighting it up today, you guys go ahead. Well, before we get into previewing these playoffs specifically with with the teams in the Eastern Conference and even maybe the Heat's rotation, I do want to look back at this season and just ask, of of all the things that went down this year, this is obviously uh, a, a team that overachieved based off of the expectations outside the organization. I know this team obviously had high expectations themselves. But what what's one thing that comes to mind immediately when I say, that surprised me about the Miami Heat this season? I mean, honestly, if, if I'm just picking one thing that I was yeah. just like, wow, that's a shocker. It was Caleb Martin becoming this essentially, you know, the Trevor Ariza that they were yeah. looking for, the Nick Batum that they were looking for, you know, who was it before that? Uh, the Jay Crowder. Like, right. I know PJ is that guy, right? Iguodala. But for Caleb, right, Iguodala. But for Caleb to be an absolute sort of utility weapon, like, Nice. And it's just, it's been, it's been crazy because I watched him, you know, in Charlotte and he was supposedly the worst of the two twins. And he right. comes out here and like, I mean, that Milwaukee game, like, whew, that was a breakout game for him. He looked like T-Mac out there. And it's so amazing. you throw that little, you know, weapon out there, that little sort of defensive, you know, uh, guy who can guard one through probably four, but probably put up, you know, in today's NBA, probably throw out there against a smaller five and, and, you know, a fast break thread and, you know, you know, there's going to be a game where he's going to give you like three or four threes and one of them's going to be a step back. Like, it's crazy what he's been providing for this team. And so of all the things, like there's a lot of surprises. Struce is definitely up there. I think Gabe Vincent, like I said earlier, being that 
defensive pest who can mm-hmm. also drop seven threes, I think has been huge. And then um, I think this was, you know, started last year, but this the absolute reliability of Dwayne Dedman. Oh, just a perfect big man for this team. All those things are somewhat surprising, but I got to say Caleb Martin is probably the biggest surprise. What he's been able to plug in when needed, even for Jimmy sometimes been huge for this team. He, he played the Jimmy Butler role for a number of games where this team yep. was able to just continue winning with him in that position. And it was, it was amazing in the middle of the year. I mean, when you think about it, some of the runs that this team had in the middle of the season where Caleb Martin was their best player for a couple of weeks, essentially. And then Omer Yurtsevin yep. had what, a, a like 10 game stretch there of double doubles uh, and dominating offensively. And he's not, even a, era. Yeah, he's not even a, a factor going into the postseason. And, and actually that that's actually a, a really perfect transition into the first question I had about this postseason, which is, I think the only question that Heat fans have going into the postseason is actually like, are there too many productive players on this team? What's what's the rotation and who should be getting those minutes? So you bring up Caleb Martin. We have Gabe Vincent. There's Max Struess. There's Duncan Robinson, who we haven't really talked about all that much. Right. Dwayne Dedman. And then... There's Victor Oladipo and Markeith Morris. And Victor Oladipo specifically, who closes the season with a 40-point game uh, against the Orlando Magic, offensively looked sort of like vintage Victor Oladipo. How do you believe that Coach Spolstra will deploy Victor Oladipo these playoffs? Because it's not whether or not he's in the rotation to begin with, but it's whether or not he will be used in general. I think that there's nothing set in stone. I think just there's a lot of fluidity to what's happening. Um, I do think that those last two appearances for Vic probably helped in Spoh's mind to decide that, oh, yeah, maybe I knew it was a possibility that I was going to use them, but now it could be a probability. Um, But I guess here's my thing with this group and, you know, the number of players that they have that can play rotation player. Just like Spoh kind of said this one time, he's like, that um, you're too deep is stuff for the birds. Like it's, it's for, you know, old NBA heads who didn't, you know, don't want to adjust. And exactly. over the course of four series, everybody that's been in the rotation is going to have their moment. Let's 100%, 100%. Whether it be because of an injury where somebody else steps in, whether it be because of foul trouble, whether it be because this is just the game that, you know, the Gabe, the Gabe Vincent game, you know, because right. he hit a bunch of, a bunch of threes. Um, so I do think, you know, it's not only something that, keeps the flexibility for 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 slow it keeps defenses guessing but it keeps not everybody like thrilled but it keeps everybody involved and there's not somebody sulking on the side you know not somebody bringing everything down i think if everybody contributes a little bit i think that's probably the best case scenario but it doesn't have to be every game like i think you're probably gonna look at you know the hard choices of okay is it duncan or caleb in this game do i need defense do i need shooting um you know, with Victor Oladipo versus uh, like a, a Gabe Vincent, do I need a shot creator or do I need just an annoying defense? And right. I know Vic can still do that, but not quite as well it's different. as Gabe. Yeah. And, and, you know, crazy catch and shoots, which is different too. So I think it's just going to end. And yeah, like I said, I think it's going to be something that sort of brings the team together, if you will, on a game to game basis. It seems like this team, number one, is already very close knit. Um, to the point where, you know, in just talking with Max, right, like his relationship with Duncan Robinson, a guy who he supplanted in the starting lineup, they're yep. 
the best of friends. Like they're so close mm -hmm. in the way that they communicate with one another. And all of these guys, really particularly that second wave of guys who we're talking about, who are going to be the ones whose minutes are played for one another, they're all so close with each other and yep. seem to be rooting for each other to succeed that man, if that's not like the recipe for a championship bench, I don't know what yeah. it is. Now, it, it's then up to your stars to be able to perform at their level and be able to kind of buoy you, or, or, yeah. or rather, your bench buoys you and your stars take you to that next level. But it's it's kind of interesting to see that series to series, even game to game, hey, all of a sudden, the offense just is sputtering and Kyle and Jimmy and Tyler all aren't hitting their shots. Hey, Vic, come in in the third quarter and just try yeah. to do your thing for six minutes. You know? And it's funny, too, because it's one thing we didn't even mention with Tyler. Like, that's when we talk about team sacrifices, like, he's not all about coming off the bench. Like, he's the guy who's got multiple all-star games in his vision, you know, yeah. for his career. And how many players in their third year, how many superstars in their third year are coming off the bench, right? So oh, wow. that's something they had to convince him of. And every day, like, all these teammates that were here last year saw the things that he went through, saw the things that he had to be pushed through that weren't necessarily his fault and see what he is, you know, everything that he's gaining this year. And yet they recognize, okay, like he's making a sacrifice for us by coming off the bench because it's probably not the best for him. So I think with all that, um, that's probably something that, that Spo has reminded his team every once in a while when, it's, you know, when we're making moves left and right and guys are playing suddenly and guys are not. So I think that that sort of um, mentality has been built into this team for a long time now. And I think it helps with a guy like Duncan Robinson is, the guy that got benched because I can't imagine anybody really handling it much better in terms of oh. outwardly and you know team first type of stuff. He's been tremendous in in handling mm -hmm. everything that's come his way this season. For by the way, a season that has been good and productive. Like he's been a good player. Oh yeah, you know well, what he I mean. Set too high like, of a standard for himself. It's yeah, right. Absolutely. He he set a totally unrealistic standard, yeah. and and now had another really solid season and everyone views it because he's no longer in the starting lineup is this thing that wasn't as good as it was but but now this team is is that deep I will say if the heat is to have some sort of Achilles heel that stops them from reaching the goals that they've set for themselves which is obviously it's you know championship robust within the organization what mm -hmm. would that Achilles heel be in your mind um so the problem with a couple of it, like, you know, you don't really have great two-way wings, right, outside of Jimmy. Because you're talking about Duncan Robinson, obviously, he's going to get picked on defensively like crazy. Sure. Max Juice, they're still going to do that to Max Juice. He's a better one-on-one -on -one defender, but they're still going to do that. They're still going to do that with Tyler Hero. Um, they're probably not going to do that with Caleb or Jimmy. But I think that's where – that's the only, Frank. And this is me, like, stretching the only weakness. here. Yeah. But that, that seems to be the weakness is if you're going to go with the stretch, the switching defenses that take advantage of, you know, Jimmy and Bam's abilities, um, even Kyle, for that matter, because he can uh, guard a little bigger as well, um, then you're going to you're going to have to find a way to make up for teams that are just going to pick on those guys all day long. And if they do do that and if you're going to have to make a defensive substitution, then what does that do to the offense? Is that really bog down the offense? Does that put more pressure on Jimmy to be like, hey, I'm the only one? who can do this here. So I think that's where things would get muddied a little bit. Yep. So if they essentially, you know, if their offense is working well, then they're not going to feel as stressed, even if they do, do go through those stresses. But um, yeah, just, I think they've learned how to deal with that a little bit better. I think, yep. um, you know, Duncan off the bench is kind of a sneaky, uh, 
way to, to fix that because you're going against second team, right? Yep. The units that aren't going to find this hunt down. It's just going to be the second unit guys doing their thing. And so um, I think, yeah, I, I think that's probably their biggest weak spot, but nothing that really says there's nothing on there that says, Hey, if the team presses on that, like they're clearly going to lose. No, there's nothing that stands out as like, this is the end for them. And I think the biggest thing that's changed in the last, I mean, I don't want to say since Max got into the starting lineup, but essentially since Max got into the starting lineup, the thing that's been noticeable is their half-court offense with that unit and particularly with the closing unit has been so much better. Max in Mm -hmm. that spot doing some of the things that he can do as a playmaker, whether that's him playing in place of Duncan Robinson in the starting lineup, so playing alongside the big three and P.J. Tucker, or in place of P.J. Tucker and going and standing in that corner and doing some of the things on offense that Tucker has been doing, setting screens for people, too, and getting open for his own shot. So that Max Struess weapon has really been great for Miami there, and since he's not as weak defensively as as Duncan Robinson and showed against the Celtics. Hey, he can come up big in the occasional moment defensively as well. I mean, he was great there. You know, if if he can be even close to what that was in that game, it really does unlock a lot for this team. He's such a unique uh, body type, like for, you know, the shooter that he is like, you know, compare him to, you know, he's not a Duncan Robinson, right? He's not six, eight and thin like that. He's not, like a Dan Marley, who was more, you know, long, he's like a stocky, strong six, yeah. six. And as long as he can, you know, get that shot off and not uh, get it blocked, then, I mean, that's a, it's a better build for a, you know, a strong defensive or a better defensive player. Mm-hmm. So, of, so of all of these teams in the Eastern conference, obviously, and we'll get to in a second, um, you know, the team that the heat will be playing on Sunday and in this first round, but when we talk about the Eastern Conference, and there's there's all these threats out there, right? There's the Milwaukee Bucks, there's the Boston Celtics, there's the Philadelphia 76ers, there's the Brooklyn Nets, and obviously there, there are the Bulls and the Raptors as well. But of all of these teams in the East, in your mind, who is the biggest threat to Miami? Who's their worst matchup? It's kind of a 1-1A one one for me. I, I want to say it's uh, Milwaukee in large part, just because, I mean, Giannis is the beast and Middleton, yeah. uh, if he has anything going, if he and Drew are going, and again, it only has to be four out of seven games, uh, then it's going to be a nightmare for Miami because they pay so much attention to Giannis. Um, but, and plus, you know, coming off last year, that confidence that they could beat him, sweep him in four games, whatever. But I also think that Boston is such a bad matchup for them. And it's not necessarily hmm. even about like the Robert Williams thing. If he's back, uh, for that second round, or would that be in the second round? Yeah, it would be 1-4. No, 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 no that would be two. That would, be, that would need to be the Eastern right. Conference final. Either one of that those matchups, either one of these yeah. matchups, the Bucks or the Celtics, is the Eastern Conference Right, so finals. it would be the 2-3 matchup, right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just think that they, the wings, just it's such a difficult situation to match up with against Miami because, you know, you've got the, it, the old starting lineup, Duncan Robinson's probably covering, uh, you know, the Jalen Brown or something, or in this one, it's Max Struess and, um, you know, I just think you start off that way. You're, you're going to, you're going to be in some trouble. Like, um, and so if you throw in the fact that they have their full defensive lineup in there with time Lord back, if he comes back uh, at the end of this first series or the second series, then I think that's equally as difficult for different reasons. And plus, you know, Marcus smart, the way he sets the tone for that defense, it's kind of mm-hmm. different the way like Giannis, because Giannis isn't as active necessarily. At least you don't, doesn't look as much because he's just everywhere just by standing yeah. there. But Marcus Smart is everywhere and really brings like to life that defense and that whole team. And I think that's something that could really 
you know, bug Miami agents because they're so, you know, rigid, like specific in their offense and what they want to do. So um, I'd probably say those two. Either one of those teams being the Eastern Conference Finals matchup for Miami would be just a blast in terms of the narratives because, look, Milwaukee eliminated you last year and then went on to win the championship, and the year before you beat Boston to get to the finals. So being in that... It almost feels like it's Boston's turn if we're doing a... Yeah, it weirdly does. And, and, uh, you know, it's a a shame for them that uh, Williams is hurt right now because I think every... Look, everybody always wants to see every team at full strength and and the players all want to see every team at full strength. Like that's just what you want going into the playoffs. Um, just a few more questions for you, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, you know, a guy we haven't talked enough about has been Bam Adebayo, um, and that's that's my doing more so than you're doing. I'm the one asking the questions. Uh, but Bam Adebayo has been tremendous this season. Kyle Lowry has been tremendous spe- specifically over the last number of games. He's been great too. Yeah, Jimmy and Tyler. That's the sort of big four. I think I know where you're going to go with this, but of those four players. Who has to have the most productive playoffs for the Heat to make it back to the finals? I'd like to know what your guess is going to be. It was going to be Tyler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, I knew that was your guess. No, I don't think he has to be. I think he will be what unlocks them from, you know, okay. making it difficult to make it a little bit easier, you know, or a game that they might lose to a game that they can win. Okay. But in terms of production, like, I think it's got to be Jimmy. Um, It's got to be Jimmy. And it's not because like he can't have a bad game, but you know that he's going to have the field goal attempts. You know that he's going to attempt to get to the line. You know, he's going to have a good, strong defensive matchup and you know, he's going to, you know, go for defensive plays that can turn into quick offense. And Mm -hmm. so you do all of those things. You have to be the most productive player. I think, um, I think Tyler might be there by the end, their most important offensive player. But that's not the entire game, I think. Right. Um, so I, I think it's got to be Jimmy. And, you know, Bam, I think we all – such a compliment to him at this point, but we take him for granted. Absolutely. Um, like that's – Everything <laughs> that he does in the defensive it's end. It's unbelievable. Is, it's 100% um, assumed. Yeah. Going he's going to affect the game on that end, and you just kind of take it for granted and look, and look the other way. And so that is one of those – a lot like Jimmy's going to get the ball, so he has to give you something – well, you know Bam's going to give you something on the defensive end. So if he gives you, you know, a 20-point game on the offensive end, then, you know, it's probably probably a good night for you guys. And it's been great when Bam has been so aggressive on the offensive end. And there's been so many nights where we've seen Kyle Lowry sort of unlock Bam's game as well. And it, it almost feels like, you know, it's not it's not the same thing. But it, it reminds me a little bit occasionally of when, you know, Chris Paul gets to Phoenix and all of a sudden DeAndre yeah. Ayton's game kind of took another jump offensively. There are things that having a more pure point guard like Lowry have been able to help Bam with and just getting easier buckets, not necessarily. Well, wait till, no, wait no. till Tyler gets the keys a little bit right. more too because right. he, he and Bam, I mean, Tyler might be the best lob thrower on the it's team. amazing. And he and Bam have a good connection there. So those two I mean, are going to help each other a lot as things go forward. Certainly. So the Heat will get the Atlanta Hawks in the first round of the NBA playoffs after they took down Cleveland last night. Trey Young and company, what is something here as someone who has actually covered the NBA from a national perspective this season, knows who these basketball teams are? <laughs> what should the Heat be looking at with the Atlanta Hawks? It's funny. It's a lot. Um, the Hawks are, they're interesting. Um, so Trey Young you know, has this reputation as this long shot taker and everything else. And yeah, he'll still take some, 
bad ones, questionable ones, whatever, but he is crazy quick and yep. can get to places on the floor and has not only a great floater game, but a great lob game and everything else. And so it, he's, he and Clint Capella really test your pick and roll defense, like really. And I think Bam, Bam's going to have one hell of a time because if they just flat out, they pull him out, like Trey's one of the tougher guys to cover on a regular basis. And so um, that's going to be huge there. Um, but, you know, they have like the motivation, they have some narratives, they have stuff in there, but they also just have some weak spots. Like defensively, you can attack Trey, you can attack, Bog- attack Bogdanovich, you can probably attack Herder some if you want, definitely Gallinari. Um, what you worry about is you worry about offensively is some of those players getting loose, you know, whether it be the Herders or the Bogdanoviches or, you know, the Trey, obviously. Like if those guys, or I mean, uh, what's McCullough? Gallinari is still perfectly capable of, you know, going on a hot streak. So that I feel like is you can almost bank that's going to happen for like two games. Yep. And then you've just got to play as solid as possible in those other four and, and, you know, hope that your formula, which is, you know, playing some more defense uh, works. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a troubling matchup if you're like looking for an easy first round, but if you get out of it, you're going to feel good about who you beat. The Hawks are the team I've been hoping the Heat would play the entire time that the play-in was out there. Specifically, not because I necessarily think it's the easiest matchup for the Heat. I don't. Because it'll make you sweat enough without actually ever really feeling all that threatened. Because I don't think the Hawks are good enough to beat Miami. But I do think they're good enough to maybe take a couple of games and make everybody want to watch all these games right Right. here on Bally Sports Sun, huh? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, about that? And you can (laughs) quite the pitch. And you can just say, like, we just beat Atlanta, and most people will say Trey Young was the best player on the court. So that whole idea of the best player on the court right. is going to win in the playoffs, eh, not the case. So you can move forward with that argument. That could lead a uh, kind of fun, hey, here's all the guys they took down across the way if that does end up happening. Right. Um, right. And could be a cool way to do it. All right, so final question for you. I do want your prediction here. Do the Heat end this season holding a championship trophy? Do they get out of the East? Do they not even get that far? Is he... What's your prediction here for Miami? And just because this is, you know, a lot of Heat fans watching, you don't have to be biased. You can answer this question. No, I don't. Like, I I mean, if every team plays their best games, like, it's really hard to call because the Heat is so loaded and they're so top-heavy. There's the five to six teams, you could argue. Um, But I'll answer it this way. Do I think the Heat have the ability to make the NBA Finals this year? Yes. Do I think that um, it would take a major upset for them to get there? No. Like, I think, you know, Milwaukee will be difficult for them, but, you know, two, three of those games could be two or three point games. And then that could, you know, it could flip like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, predicting is really just for the listeners, right? So if you want, you want me to predict, yeah, I'll predict that he can make the, we'll make the finals. I think they have the most together team. I think they have a great coach. I think they have, you know, in a seven game series, I don't think anything can be too much of a, way and emotions for them right they've been through some stuff recently as well so uh yeah i think they can make it i think if the suns this is this is such a question mark and i feel like it's right. one of those teams where you have to say this out loud if the Suns get through the playoff healthy because chris paul is always a question mark and any chris paul team just seems to have bad luck for but real. if they get to the playoffs healthy they should be the favorite and i think they would beat miami mm-hmm. in a seven game series but um you know, it's also quite difficult to get to the finals multiple times, especially back-to-back years, if you're Phoenix, who hadn't really done that. And so um, I just have a weird feeling it's not going to be Phoenix out of the West. I just have a weird feeling. I don't know why. 
Um, and maybe it's just been too good for them this year and something's going to go wrong, but I just have that strange feeling. And if that's the case, then, you know, championships up for grabs. My, my prayer basically since about halfway through this season was I really want to heat Warriors finals. It's just what I want. It's wow. just what I want. Cause I just think it wow. would be the most beautiful basketball. Like it would just be those two teams playing against each other would be such a blast. And the matchups are fascinating. Like an actual healthy Warriors against this heat team healthy would just be. I'm a little down on the Warriors, though. I just don't. Right. I, I'm, I would love ju- it would be fluky. I'm not saying it's going to get there. Neither do I. It's the thing. It's just the thing I'm rooting for. It's just the like, yeah. hey, could Steph come back and all of a sudden just be hot and Draymond show up and all of a sudden they're just there and everybody's playing and it's the Warriors again and it's fun. Like it was at the very beginning of the season. It's just me or, praying for something fun. Or? Heat Maps Part 3. If oh, Luka gets God. <laughs> yeah, if Luka, if Luka ever plays a basketball Luka, game. Luka, like that team was oh. my sneak, like sleeper team out of the West before his calf thing. What so a now, crazy. If you know, if he's back in game two and looks good, then right. they're back to my sleeper team. I love that. I love that. Heat. Oh, God. Heat Mavs Part 3. Something I never would have thought would be a trilogy. And doing it. Yep. How cool would that be to, within about 15 years, do it three different times with three completely three different, different rosters? Yep. And, wow. Except for you, Donis Haslam. Well, and I guess he Dirk would was have in the first two. <laughs> but right, UD but would be. And UD is there in all of them. That's crazy. Oh, man. Now I want it. Now I want it just right? specifically heat so Mavs, UD, UD could end up playing a couple of minutes in one game where the Heat are blowing somebody out and take a charge with two minutes left or something like that oh my let's god let's say some prayers are, for that luka Doncic calf all right everybody should be this is the new narrative we need to put everybody should be rooting for heat maps part three i love it izzy uh well thank you so much for for spending the time here this is more time than i told you we would talk and i feel like that's always what ends up happening with us so i'm appreciative of that uh is there anything that you would like the folks to be directed toward that are listening to this that where they can find your projects um that you're working on over at espn I would simply like to direct them to call you Jer Bear at all times. <laughs> About it. Great. And watch Debatable whenever, you know, whenever it's streaming. <laughs> all right. Watch Debatable, and you can also call me that nickname if you would like. Hey. All right. There we go. Uh, Israel Gutierrez, thank you so much for joining Miami Miked Up. Bye, Jer Bear. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. (laughs) 